Hello, dear friends. Welcome to Being an Everyday Hero, Episode 9. In this episode, I want to talk a little bit about fear and how fear affects us and how it often causes us to disconnect from each other. And and it creates stories in our minds that leave people out and force us to want to place blame in places where it shouldn't go. Now, that's what I'm intending to talk about today, but I'm not exactly sure where the conversation is going to go because today it's going to be a conversation. Today, I have uh, my very first guest on this podcast here with me. And I, I thought a lot about who I wanted to have me have join me first. And this this first guest is a woman who is a, a teacher and a mentor, is an organizer of a women's gathering, a conference every year in Tampa. Uh, but I did not choose her because of her credentials or her influence or her social media following. Uh, it was because she's really heart of my heart because she is, for me, my teacher that I've had the longest in my life. Her name is Jeannie Culp, and her last name is the same as mine because she's my mom. And it may sound a little weird that I would invite my mom to be the very first guest on the podcast, but there is a reason I think you'll you'll feel it as we start to talk. We have had my mom and I so many great conversations that have launched many of the things I've posted on social media, many of the things that have been important to me in my life, and a recent conversation she and I had made me realize we should have this conversation together and we should share it, not just at our family dinner table, but for more people. So welcome, Jeannie Culp, to the podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I'm happy to have you. Thanks for joining us. Now, now, first of all, before we get into the main topic, you're currently teaching. Tell, tell us what you're doing right now. I have come out of retirement and I'm currently teaching part-time at a wonderful preschool. So you are living in that world of young people, so I assume every day you have crazy stories. You tell us some of the stories. Oh, you, yes. Did you bring a story today to I share? I did bring a story today. I did bring a story today because having come out of retirement, I'm quite a bit older, uh, quite a bit older than uh, most of the people there, and I don't just mean the children, the, also the um, the teachers, And uh, but that's okay because I enjoy that, and uh, I'm good friends with all of them. But uh, one day, it was a I'd had a pretty busy schedule. And I had was a little bit behind on coloring my hair, which I need to do every now and then. (laughs) And so we were out on the playground. And I'm sure the sun was, you know, shining down on my head. And one of my little girls just sweet little girl just kept staring at me and staring at me. And I finally leaned down and said, what, what, what's wrong? And she said, I'm just looking at your hair, Miss Jeannie, and I'm realizing that you're starting to look more and more like Elsa. (laughs) And, And of course, I knew who she was talking about, having heard much about Frozen from my own granddaughters. And, uh, of course, she's the one with the silver hair. And sure enough, when I looked in the mirror later that day, I was looking quite a bit like Elsa. So that was a good reminder for me what I need to do, but also a wonderful reminder of what great communicators and honest communicators that little ones are. Yeah, you know, they see things in a in a very clear, straightforward, black and white way, don't they? Yes, they do. Very, It's a very humbling experience. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've gone through so many stories that you know about many of them with my own two boys and yeah they see things in a certain way and they're not afraid to share it and be they're open not. about it they're not and it's great fun and it's it's wonderful and it's it teaches me a lot every day and they don't have that same kind of self-protection 
Correct. That a lot of us have that we're afraid about what if I say this or what if I what if I share this? How will people respond? They're just very open and out there. And sometimes that means they walk out of the bathroom without their pants and underwear on. But Correct. a lot of times it's a very refreshing way of seeing life, isn't it? It is. And they're so open and vulnerable. And and that you know, leads me to think a lot about the great responsibility that those of us that work with young children have to nurture that and to to protect them and to love them and to be uplifting to them. Now, you've spent a lot of your life, you know, not only as a mom, but as a teacher thinking about young people and all of that. And I want to kind of transition because because there's a unique perspective that you have that I feel like you've always had about you know, how we live as heroes with each other in the world and how we help each other and connect and grow together. And, and let me, let me transition into it this way. So, so first of all, for those that are going to connect with it, you're, you're a breast cancer survivor. Correct. Talk about that for a little bit. Tell me about that journey. Coming up on 12 years, I am a breast cancer survivor. Um, yeah, and I don't think about it every day like I used to, but I do have a checkup coming up next mm-hmm. week, so I am thinking about it a little bit right now. And uh, But that was a journey. It was a journey, and I remember at the end of it, uh, the end of the full year of treatment, someone asking me, you know, aren't you glad this year is over? Mm-hmm. And I really had to think about that because as I looked back over the year, I could think of a lot of wonderful things well almost every day something wonderful that had happened to me some new idea or new inspiration or just new care that had been given to me so yes in a way I was glad it was over but I sure learned a lot of lessons through it and I'm still and and uh, able to connect with others that are going through it and letting them know that their new normal will come also you know, that's a journey where it's kind of hard to hide what you're going through. Sometimes we're going through painful, difficult things, and it's easy for us to hide. But that kind of journey, it's kind of out there. I mean, the world kind of knows, the people in your world know. And it is amazing some of the really beautiful, good things that come out of people and the change that happens inside of you when you're willing to become vulnerable and share, here's the pain I'm going through. It's really a it's an amazing lesson, not just for when you're sick or going through something traumatic, but just every day of life, isn't it? Absolutely, and 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 it is, as you say, a transition because your your first thoughts are different than your thoughts toward the end. You know, you you become at home with it. You learn to learn the lessons from it. You learn to be able to reach out to others better. There's so much you learn through it. You learn compassion, and by how others treat you and how you want to treat others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and I were talking recently about when you were on that journey, a conversation. I mean, you've had this kind of, it wasn't just one person you had it with. It was a couple of people that, that you kind of could identify with that when you were having dialogue with them and they were asking you questions about your condition and your cancer, that you kind of felt like they weren't necessarily asking for themselves. They had a different motive. Can you kind of tell me that that story, paint that narrative for us? Yes, yes, of course. You know, so many people were caring and would check on me and ask questions. And, you know, and for the most part, they were all very caring and very loving. And, and even these ones I mentioned to you, you know, they were trying to be the same way. But there would, there would come a point in some conversations where they were asking me things about, like, did it run in your family? No. You know, were you current on your mammograms? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
you know, how did you find the lump? You know, and you just, you know, questions like that, that were, that were kind of personal, but yet I could tell they were really asking for themselves. You know, they were, they were, they were trying to rule out something. Uh I couldn't exactly tell what, but you know, I, I just, I just remember that I wasn't sure why, and really until you were talking, you and I were talking about it the other day, it didn't crystallize for me. I couldn't tell why that I left some of those conversations feeling uplifted, and I left some of them feeling like not so great, (laughs) you know, and I wasn't sure why. But when you and I talked about it the other day, I think I realized that it, it is human. It's human nature. And I think you and I were talking about the idea of if we can find a reason why that can't happen to me, yeah. you know, and that is that's fear. And I've done it. You know, I've certainly done it. And I think that's human nature. But I guess that's one of the lessons I learned that when you're trying to be with someone and care for them, let it be about them, you know, and I'm I'm still not perfect at it either. But but that is something that that came up. Yeah, and it's it's that fear, as I listen to you talk about that, it's that fear that that this could happen to me, that I am in danger, that I am not safe, that that pushes us towards responses and ways of reacting to people that, yeah, as you said, that it isn't about the other person. We're not really trying to join them and care for them and be open. We're actually trying to figure out how we can protect ourselves from the difficulty they're going through, which, again, invalidates the other person's pain because it's essentially trying to place the blame on them instead of being willing to join them exactly where they are because we're trying to keep ourselves emotionally safe. Exactly. And and it bring for me, because, you know, I've always kind of been a caregiver. It brought up in me, what can I say to make you feel better about this? <laughs> right, you right, know, right. and really, I didn't really need to be thinking about that right then. But you know, that was okay. And it, it was fine. And it just helped me learn some things about how to care for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, where, where my mind goes with that, and I, I know your heart is about this too, you know, the internet, I mean, my Facebook feed, Twitter feed, all these places become so full of outrage about these things that happen. And and it's like every week, I feel like right now we've got some new thing. And I don't even want to talk about the specific ones because we all have our opinions and we all have our things about these controversial topics that are really, in my judgment, pretty complex. You know, whose fault was this and who was really the bad guy here and who who did this? But we respond with such outrage almost before we even know all the facts, yes. before we know the information. Now, for you, when when you look at those kind of situations and you connect it like to that story you just told about what people would say to you when you were going through breast cancer, what's what's the correlation? Why are people responding with such outrage in those posts? Yes, it absolutely correlates because I feel like these things that come up, you know, on your news feed or in the news or in the paper, you know, I... I find myself doing it. I find myself like, well, what was behind that? Was 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 someone drunk? Was someone, you know, high? Were they were they breaking the law when this happened? I try to find a reason. I find myself doing it. But I see other people doing it in a way where they're trying to place blame, yeah. where they're trying to blame someone else for what happened. Therefore, it could never happen to me because I'll never do that. Mm. And I think that outrage to answer your question, just comes from fear. Yeah. 
from from fear that what if this could happen to me and I better be really strong on the idea of blaming someone so this can't happen to me. And it's a position of superiority, isn't it? I mean, it's a position of I am so good that this won't happen to me because I'm better than that person and I'm not going to tell you why I am better than that person. For you, why is that mentality so dangerous and so counterproductive to really being able to help people? Because it eliminates compassion. And so so I think what it brings up in me is the need for more compassion, more love, more, uh, not to say we can't learn lessons from things. Obviously, there are things that happen in the world that we say, okay, we need to be more careful about that. But to say that, let's put all the blame here so that I can prove that will never happen to me, that just eliminates compassion from the equation. And the last thing the world needs is more blame. You know, and I think sometimes for me, my temptation, my emotional temptation, it's my ego, is that when I'm doing something good to help someone else in whatever capacity, whether it's just the little things or it's the, you know, something really a bigger project that I'm part of, the temptation for me is to look at that as like an ego superiority thing like I'm in this position of strength to help you and I'm doing this not really out of a place of kindness but out of a place of you know this makes me better than you because I can do this and uh, again like you just said you know with this outrage it's like this has never happened to me and the fact that it's never happened to me but it may happen to you means that I'm in a position to judge you and be better than you. But we can't actually make a tremendous impact in the world in whatever way we're dreaming of doing it when we're spending all of our emotional energy trying to figure out how doing this makes us better than the people we're trying to help in the process. I mean, does it feel that way to you? Yes, it does. And and uh, also the thought that that brings to me is that when I, as I was going through the breast cancer journey, you know, there were a lot of times when I had to receive care and that doesn't come natural for some of us, you know, and that can be a superiority trip too, is that no, 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 wait, I'm the one that gives care. You know, I don't need care, but we all do. We all do need care. And it was a time of my life when I just kind of had to take a leave of absence for a year. And there were parts of me that thought, well, how will things keep going at church? How will things keep going in the family? Who will host Halloween? Who will will have Christmas? Who will decorate? Well, you know what? All of those things got done. And it was a superior and a fearful feeling on my part that things would be different, but it was okay for things to be different. And I think the fear that it brought up in me of that I was going to have to stop and let someone else care for me was also a very fear-provoking thing that I had to work through. Yeah, and that's a powerful thought because it is hard for those that have a heart to care for others to receive care themselves. But it's so necessary, right? 
Yes. You know, I've heard you use that analogy about the being on the airplane. Yes. And tell what's that? Yes. Well, just so often, you know, we are we are just wanting to fix things, and especially if we're parents or grandparents, we're wanting to fix things with our children. And I've often told young moms, and in you know, on the airplane, they say you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before you can help your small children or someone you're caring for. And, you know, that is so true in parenting and in life, because unless we can breathe, unless we can function, then we can't help anyone else. And there's a time in everyone's life where they need to sit down, be still, rest, and recover from something. And during that time is when we need to allow, give people that blessing. Because it is a blessing and it's awkward at first because you just don't want to be the one uh-huh. that has to receive it. And you don't think you ever would be the one. And and it's a fearful feeling. But when you can relax into it, it is a blessing and a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. And I I think the temptation is to feel, and I don't think we do it on purpose. It's almost unconscious. Because even listening to you talk, I know I do it sometime. It's like the fact that I don't need any help is proof of how strong and how good and how wonderful I am that I don't need help. But but we don't, none of us are that way. We are not meant as people to live by ourselves. We're meant to live in community. Yes. And But to do that requires a willingness to be authentic and vulnerable that comes back to your preschoolers, right? Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. And if we could just not grow out of that. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so anxious to grow up, but there's some things we should never grow out of. And that's why working with children is just a constant reminder, and I love it. So let me ask you this question, because it's the rough one. I mean, it, or it's at least the confusing one that comes up in my mind. You know, you, you spent a lot of time working in the development of young people. You know, we're all raising our children to be independent. You know, we're raising them to not need us. You know, we're not trying to raise dependent, codependent kids. We want them to be on their own. But where is the line for you? And I don't know that I've ever asked you this kind of question before, but where is the line for you between raising a child or raising yourself even, having your own mindset that, yes, I am independent. Yes, I am strong. Yes, I am capable. But I'm also aware that I need others. How, where is the healthy place? Mm, yeah, it's, that's a very good question. Um, you know, recently I've been studying some about about how to let go of your children, because I still struggle with that. I mean, if it yeah. were up to me, I'd have all of y'all still sleeping <laughs> under my roof, right, you know, right. but it's not up to me and it wouldn't be best. I know that. But the letting go, you know, when you when you've invested so much, the letting go is sometimes the hard part. But something I've been studying about a lot recently is making that transition with your children. And it's different in every home, but making that transition from being the authority to being the influencer and, you know, establishing those relationships early. And, and of course your whole goal is to make them independent. But if you, if you do that too early, somebody's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. If you do that too late, somebody's going to be rebellious. Mm -hmm. So it's finding that, that time in there and and knowing your own child, knowing the people around you and knowing when it's time to let go a little at a time while they're still under your influence, 
but I'm not sure that answered the question. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's, but, you know, it brings up an interesting point, which you and I have talked about that idea of what is it, being an influencer or being a... Authority. Uh, authority versus being an influencer. And and that's such a powerful thought. You know, you're using it in the context of, of raising children. But that applies to literally everything in life. You know, we're we a lot of us came from a school of thought that leadership is supposed to be authoritarian, which is I have this clear vision and I'm going to make you do it. And all you are it comes from that old school way of doing business, which is you're a you're a little piece of the assembly line. So you are in this fit, you know, and so you do your job exactly the way I told you to do it. But we're living in a world now where we're realizing that that every single person has such unique value within them that to limit them to your vision is not as expansive for them as it should be. It doesn't lead to the best in the world that it could be. And again, and and, and so there's this line between being an influencer as a leader that's very positive for them, but also but not not treading into being authoritarian, which is controlling which is coming from a place of fear, ultimately, right? We're now Correct. coming full circle Correct. back into fear. Yes. And, and of course, there's a place for respect for authority, and it should be taught. Otherwise, we'd live in chaos. But your dad uses a, an expression a lot where he talks about having a license to influence. Yeah. And, the, and you only have a license to influence someone if you have a relationship with them. And so building that relationship, whether it's with your child, your spouse, your coworker, your neighbor, whoever you're you're in contact with, when you build a relationship with them, when you show them care, that's when you then have a license to influence. And that's when change comes. Which now we all come back to, we come back to the discussion of, of relationship and community building and all of that, which is, as you know, so important to me and been such a part of my life and my work is that opportunity to really connect people knowing that that's the point of this anyway. I mean, coming back to where we started about fear and we are really afraid, many of us at our core of really being open and joining and allowing the other person to be who they are and being comfortable that you can be where you are and I can be where I am and there's no conflict. You don't, I don't have to feel the emotional need to make you like me to feel safe. Right. I mean, yes. And that's a struggle. Because especially if you have strong beliefs about something and it's and your core who you are, you know, and then it it, it takes a different mindset to stay in that relationship in that community, even if you strongly disagree. You know, it, it takes it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of compassion and it can be done, but it is a struggle. Mm hmm. Well, this has been so nice. I'm so glad you stopped by for this. We, we should do it Me again. Too. We should do it again. Okay. We, we should think about other things we can talk about because there are just unlimited uh, unlimited things we could even go in this conversation. But this has just been delightful. So thanks. Thanks for being part of this today. So this was our first, the first interview I've ever done on this show before. And it's such a great place to start. I actually have several interviews planned and coming up uh, ahead. So it's uh, I'm going to share some thoughts of my own. Um, that I'm going to continue doing that, but I'm also going to intersperse uh, interviews with with real-life heroes and people who are doing great things in the world and have great insights to share, and people who've been an influence to me. 
and that also maybe even a little bit of a difference, a counterpoint to, to where I am and where I'm coming from. So I'm looking forward to more of that dialogue. So thanks for joining and being part of this episode. If you liked it and if this helped you in some way, I hope you'll share it, uh, post about it, and and uh, connect it with connect someone who uh, you think would uh, this would help. And you can like and comment and leave a review wherever you found it. And I hope you'll do that to help spread the word about what we're doing. So thanks for being an everyday hero, uh, sending you love and big hugs. Have a heroic day. 